Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the next edition of Missing a Point. I am Rayshawn Buchanan with my guy, Broadway Joe Melkin. Today, we have a special guest in the building. He is a three-time All-Pro, a three-time Pro Bowler, the Defensive Rookie of the Year. He is now the owner of an MMA promotion called Lifestyle Extreme Fighting, and he also has ventures in the real estate uh, business. That being said, Sean Merriman, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Good, man. This is, this is awesome. Like I said, we... You know, longtime fans of the game, of uh, your game. You know, like I said, we, you know, we're, we're Patriots fans. Of like I said, you know, uh, game recognizes game. All right, man, that, that's it, man. Interview all <laughs> No, you know, got 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 to be real. But no, like I said, you <laughs> you you were a hell of a player in the time that you were there. Really throughout your career, and like I said, we're we're, we're thankful that you spent the time with us. So I just want to get right into it, man. So uh, obviously, we know you uh, played football for a number of years. Uh, just, you know, where, where does your love for, for football start? And just, you know, who, who were your influences when you were growing up in the DMV? Well, uh, yeah, I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland, man. Played, played high school there. And then when I ended up going to the University of Maryland, I literally was like 20 minutes down the, down the street from where I grew up. So it, it fit. But when I was younger, man, I actually played basketball first. And uh, I was fouling on all my basketball games at first. You know, like my, my coach would say, hey, I was, I was too aggressive. They, they knew a sport that I could do this legally, right? And it was applauded. And so uh, when, I, when I first went up to the football field and, and I, I'll never forget my coaches, I didn't know anything about football. I remember watching a little bit on TV as a kid, didn't know much about it. I asked my coach, hey, what, what do I do? And he said, hey, that guy right there with the ball in his hand, hit him. And I said, that's it? I said, that's it. So they, lined, they told me where to line up at, and uh, I just started to hit on anybody who had the football in their hands, and somehow – uh, I got really good at it, and um, <laughs> same thing. I had a, a funny story in high school, and obviously, I got my nickname, you know, lights out my sophomore in high school. But uh, my freshman year, I showed up uh, a little bit late to camp, and I was like days late. They already had started, and uh, my mom had missed the registration or whatever it was. And I remember the the coach, the head coach of the, the Julie Varsity team. I showed up; they were all pissed off at me for you know for showing up late and, and not coming on time. And they said, hey, what position do you want to play? I said, coach, I don't give a damn. I just want to hit somebody. And everybody smiled for being here. They, like, just was happy. So I think it was it was really the, the love, man, of, of the contact and the collision of the sport. And, you know, we used to have this saying that, you know, if everybody could play football, they would. But it's just, you know, it's hard on your body. It's, it's a vicious and violent sport. And so it takes a certain, you know, special type of breed to actually want to go out there and do it. That's, that's why we're fans of the game and we do it on this side. 
Ray, Ray and I, Ray, I'll tell you what, Ray, Ray and I, we were talking about this interview beforehand and, and uh, like you said, I don't want to fangirl, but we, we were big fans of you. You said you got the lights out nickname in, in your sophomore year. Uh, kind of get, and you know, I was saying to Ray before we started, you were, you're one of the, I, I don't want to say dying breeds of linebackers, but you are an old school, you were an old school linebacker and, and that's, that's what I loved about your game. So how did you get the nickname? And then uh, where did the celebration come from? Yeah, so I um, actually happened one after the other. So my sophomore year in high school, uh, I knocked out four kids in, in one game, in in the yeah one football game. And so yeah. right, after, right after the right after the game, uh, I had about twenty students come run up to me and they said, "Man, you knocked those kids' lights out." And uh, I didn't really plan on it. I just was like, "Hey, call me lights out." And it's just the name stuck. I remember going to school one day and everybody was kind of calling me lights, you know, short for lights out. And uh, I ran home that day when I got home from school and I begged my mom to let me get this tattoo on my right forearm. And she looked at me crazy and told me to get the hell out of the room. Um, so every day for two weeks, man, I, I just was on her. I was on her. I was on her. I said, man, we got to get this tattoo. It's going to be a thing one day. So I got the, she finally let me get the tattoo. It was a hand switch, light switch of doing the lights out, you know, cutting the lights out. And so that's where the the flicking and the switch happened. Yeah. So that's that whole thing was uh, was created then. And I kind of just you know people loved it, and I, I kept doing. Oh no, that, that's 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 an awesome story. And it, that's every that's that's so many moms like, well, like boy, you crazy girl, you crazy. I get no tattoo before you know your twenty first birthday, whatever. Because I mean that that's why I didn't get a tattoo because my mom was like, look, that that that's not happening. So I totally. Uh, relate to that story for sure. So uh, as I mentioned, you know, you, you played at, at, at Maryland. So just what, what was that recruiting process for you uh, coming out of high school and what led to you choosing University of Maryland? Well, you know, for one, like I'm a homegrown kid. Like I, I didn't want to go anywhere else. And I knew I got offered. I went to a, a, a three-day camp my sophomore year in high school at the end of my sophomore year. And I had a great showing. And then the coaches then told me they were going to come back and offer me a scholarship. This was my sophomore year. I'm six feet, 170 pound linebacker, right? So they, you know, they had no idea I was going to end up being, you know, 70 pounds heavier, right? Or 60 pounds heavier. So they offered me a, a contract. I mean, they offered me a scholarship uh, my junior year, and I, I verbally committed right then and there because it was. And I had offers from just about everywhere in the country, but I knew I didn't want to go anywhere. Like I was home. That's my backyard. I wanted my coaches, my family. My friends, I want everybody to come and see me play. And then also, too, the, you know, there was a big media market there in the DMV area, uh, Washington Post and Baltimore Sun and Washington Times. And I was playing in a pretty big media market. So it all worked out, man. And it was probably one of the best decisions I made because I couldn't really see myself going anywhere else. Yeah, so, I, I mean, so, obviously, so you, you played it you played it for three years, right? You played it three yeah. years at Maryland. So, uh, you know, so obviously, you know, you get drafted to other five. Uh, just what? So obviously, you know, we're we're taping around the time the NFL draft is coming up. Uh, you know, just what what was the draft process like for you coming into that? Like, did you know you were going to be a first rounder? And then obviously, when you got drafted by San Diego, you know, what was that a place you wanted to be, or were you hoping the Redskins got you? So just what was going through your mind at that time before getting drafted by San Diego? Yeah, you know what's crazy is uh, it was it was so up in the air because I actually weighed in at two seventy two with the combine. Every th everybody else thought I was two two forty five, right? And so they didn't know that I was that big and still moving like I was. So I now it went from just outside linebacker position to now to defensive end position as well. So people looking at me at both at both ends. So that that draft process like doubled the amount of eyeballs doubled because now 
I wasn't in the market for this outside linebacker anymore. I was uh, the end as well. So it was it was crazy because they started to talk about me possibly going number one to San Fran initially, and they ended up going with Alex Smith, and it was again uh, at uh, six or seven, whatever Minnesota had that thing, because uh, Mike Tice was there, who was a former University of Maryland. At, so they were looking at me. Then you had the Redskins, you know, then the Redskins looking at me as well, because right in my backyard. Dallas Cowboys, and then, well, actually, no, take that back, 10th at, at uh, the Lions. I went to go take a visit to the Lions. I met with Steve Barriucci every bit of, like, two and a half minutes. I'm like, why the hell did I come out here to Detroit? Like, big waste of time. But uh, <laughs> I, I knew if I didn't go there, I was 11 to the Cowboys or 12 to to the, the Chargers. So either way, I knew I was going somewhere in that top 10, top 12, which is, you know, fortunate, man, because a lot of people, you want to get drafted anywhere, but you know you're going to be somewhere in the top 10-ish it was, a, was a really good feeling. Hey, so you you ran a four six four at the combine at two hundred and seventy two pounds. Yeah, now that one's clocked in at uh, I think a four five eight. Jesus, uh, yeah, four five, yep, four five eight, some change or four, yeah. What so, can you run uh, now? Probably a six flat. <laughs> <laughs> that's about where I am. Yeah, yeah. That that's if I don't pull something. No, I, you know I um. I still I I do a lot of MMA training and, and I do a lot of jogging and stuff and I do light sprints. But when you're done, man, like you, you had so much, so many of those years on your body. So I, I changed up my workouts, man. A lot of circuit training. You know, right when we get off here, I'm going to hot, hot yoga tonight, you know, with 75. So I'm, I'm I'm very active when it comes to that. I still take really good care of my body. That's awesome. So, you know, you play with a lot of huge names. I mean, you you being one of them. But, I mean, those, those teams you were on in, in San Diego, uh, you you had Ladanian, you had Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates. What was it like playing with those guys? And uh, is Philip Rivers as nuts as they make him out to be? Uh, he's definitely nuts. Um, <laughs> but you know the 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 best in the best way, man. Like he's the ultimate competitor, and I, I really do miss being in a locker room with that dude. He's just always he wanted to compete, and he's probably the biggest competitor that I've ever played with because it, it went far and beyond the field. Like he would challenge in the weight room, talk trash, he'd walk in by the you know cafeteria, you pick it up in full in the locker room. I mean, it just never really stopped whenever he always wanted to challenge you, never back down from anything. So I, I appreciated that about him. But you know, for me, man, walking into the locker room, I mean, you walk into the locker room with that Ladanian Thompson, Antonio Gates, um, you know, no, Rivers, Drew Brees. You know, I played with Drew Brees and Donnie right. Edwards and Randall Godfrey and Jam- Jamal Williams. So Keenan, Keenan, um, Keenan McCardell was that wide receiver, right? So you you're walking in with guys who've been in the game for a while and superstars at that time. And uh, for me, man, it was just, it was eye-opening. I, I learned from the best. I, I think I was put in the best situation I could possibly be in to getting drafted anywhere else. Yeah, when, when it, so obviously, you know, like I said, that team had a lot of talents we just mentioned. You know, I remember even Drayton Florence and Quentin Jammer as well. Those are the two guys I thought about on that defense that was lethal. Uh, when, when did you realize you guys were starting to become contenders? Because obviously you get drafted in 05. You know, you 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 make the you go fourteen and two the next year. Uh, you make the AFC Championship game uh, the the next year. So just when when did you guys realize that you had something special in the room? Because obviously, you know, San Diego had kind of went back and forth, even though they had talent there. But Drew Brees goes to Miami. You know, then you have a second year quarterback taking over. So just when when did you guys realize that you guys would start become contenders, not just in the AFC West but in the NFL as a whole? Well, you know, it's it's crazy because the great teams, the players, kind of run everything, right? Like. You know, when it was time for the practice going too long or something's happening, LT or somebody, I'm like, hey, tea time, you know, screaming golf, right? Like, so 
we, the great teams, the coaches really don't have to step in too much. And I, and I played for a great when Marty Schoenheimer getting there. When I, when I say I walk into the best situation you can ever ask for, I mean, Marty Schottenheimer is the coach, head coach, defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips, linebacker coaches. I had uh, Greg Minuski and, and, and uh, John Pagano. And so you look around the room and all these guys are either head, co- head coaches or defensive coordinators at one point. And so uh, I, I really got the luck of the draw, man, because guys walk into some very bad situations and it kind of can spoil, uh, you know, your first initial walk into the NFL. And I got fortunate by having them there. So, you know, we we mentioned, you know, we we knew you were on great teams. You, you were in a, a time in the NFL – uh, that was extremely competitive. I mean, just the, the you had that 2004 quarterback class. Uh, you had some of the best linebackers in the league, yourself included. When you guys came to New England, as New England fans, we we have to ask this question. And Vince Wilfork and the Patriots did your celebration. How how what what was that like for you? I mean, as a competitor, it was probably fiery for you. But what what were your thoughts? Well, they did it at our home when they beat us in 06. We were at home when that happened. Uh, and then we finally ended up going there in 2007. So I'm already, I'm walking in on fire, right? I'm already like ready to go. I remember it. I want to get to back. And I did. I had a couple of couple sacks in the AFC championship game. But, you know, they got to, they just got named Tom Brady that, you know, just did what, did what, he, what he does best. But it, the, the thing about playing those teams, because it was, they had great players on there, but they were very well coached, man. It was like, it was crazy, man. To see the game plans and like you know playing against their offensive coordinator, I think was Josh was it Josh McDaniels at the time or whatever was the offensive coordinator was, and just being there, you look back on it now and like man, that was a hell of a time for football because it was like the rivalry is different now. You know, you got guys jersey swapping and you know hanging out with each other on the all seasons and like we it was different with us. Like I went to some guys charity events and did stuff to me all season, but for those sixty minutes, I hated your guts. And I don't care if we were cool, friends, I knew your family. Like, for those 60 minutes, we didn't belong on the same field. And uh, I think the mindset and approach was a little bit, and, and guys are, are so consumed with, like, getting the bag now, which is great. But um, it, it's kind of taking out some of, the, some of the competitiveness and guys really wanting to be the best. Yeah, back in those – I say back in those days, you're not much older than we are. So, uh, you know, it's, it's weird to say. But, uh, you know, how did you prepare – in those days for guys like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, when you played against them later in your career, how do you pre- prepare for those kinds of guys when they are out there doing what they do best? Well, you know, when I was younger, I was told that if you wanted to be mentioned up there with the great players, you had to have great games against other great players, meaning the quarterbacks. And so whenever we have Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, if you go back and look at the stats of my career, us playing them, I got after them just as much as anybody else because they were great. And in order to like, go down as one of the best to do it, you had to have these games against them. Because anybody, you know, we're playing like uh, the Raiders a couple times a year, you know, those are two, three sack games. You know you're going to get those. You can have, you know, you can have two or three sacks against Tom Brady or you got two or three sacks against Peyton Manning. Like that's when people really take notice. That's when they start to put you in the category of, of great players. And I knew that that was, if I wanted to be mentioned in that category, I had to do it. Yeah, if we ever talk to Tom, I'm going to ask him the same question. How did you prepare for Sean Merriman? Because I'm sure he had a hell of a time doing that too. You know, I would always want to, I would want to know, you know, because somebody said on uh, on Twitter today and I really didn't think about it and about when they were doing my sack dance in 06. 
in order for entire team to do it, like Bill Belichick was somebody had to, it, 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 you know, like ignite that. They like they. So I, I heard a rumor. Don't know if it's true, but I, I heard that either an offensive coordinator or somebody slipped a picture under all the players' doors and be doing a lights out dance. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but for what happened, it makes sense if it was. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would, I would, I'm curious to know, like, what was that conversation like? Because I turned it up to another level when we played those guys, and then my week preparation was was different because we were playing against the great players and great teams. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, obviously, even though it was a, you know, I mean, it could be looked at as as taunting, and you know, we just started over this weekend with uh, with the LSU and our Iowa game, right? That's something recent, but. I just think, honestly, and you kind of alluded to it, like, it's, it's really a sign of respect. You are someone that teams had to prepare for, period. And I'm not going to lie, the 16, 17-year-old me watching you on the field, I'm like, yo, this, this man's going to ruin our, <laughs> he's going to ruin our playoff chances. Like, it's, it's a problem. And it's like, between you, LT, I'm like, yo, like, so, we have to do something. Put two, three, four, whatever you got to do to make sure he's, a, so that's you, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis. Like, those, those are guys I think are right away. It's like, yo, like, you have to find a way to stop them because if not, you're going to Cancun very quickly. <laughs> you know, so it's just like that's something that I, I I I thought about. And, you know, I'm thankful that we were successful because I'm sure that you guys would have wanted had um you guys got to that stage. But I, I want to transition to, uh you know, after your career. So I know you retired in 2013 after having many great moments. So just... Was that an easy transition once once you uh, retired from Buffalo? I mean, just were, were you already preparing for what's next while you were playing? So, yeah, just how was that transition for you going into what you've done with the MMA promotion and uh, what you do now with real estate? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest part of it is I was ready to to, to make that jump. And uh, I was still getting calls from the team. I mean, but, uh, Doug Willie, from the GM for Buffalo, he asked me to come back. I finished up pretty strong with them, but they had an old new coaching staff coming in. I didn't know who was coming in, so I didn't want to start all the way over with a new coaching staff. And so I just I decided to retire. And, and regardless, I tell any athlete this when I talk to them, you can have everything lined up in the world. You can be busy, but nothing initially is going to replace that void of football. And so because we've been doing it for so long, I, like I was playing since I was you know, 10, 10 years old. Right. You're stuck to a regiment. You're used to being in a locker room. You're used to being somewhere during the offseason or offseason workouts or whatever. And so a lot of guys struggle that first year. So I, I tell anybody to get busy now because it's going to be hard no matter what. That first year, you're going to struggle just being away from the game. Year two, year three, and all that stuff, it gets better as time goes on. But initially, nothing can really replace that void. But for me, I jumped into the combat sports training in May. Uh, I initially got into it between the 2005 and 2006 season. Um, uh, I remember I was training with uh, with Jay Blazer over at Fox Sports, and he knew I grew up in the DMV area. I grew up boxing, have a couple couple uncles and family members who were professional boxers. So naturally, I just grew up boxing anyway. And so he, one day he said, "Hey, uh, I think you should, should try this MMA thing out. It can help your hand eye coordination, your being you know different leverage, and being able to open your hips up and turn the corners on some of the offensive linemen." And I said, cool, whatever, whatever I need to do to get better at football, just let me know. He, sh- he sent me an address, texted me an address one day, and I showed up to a gym. And Jay Glazer's on my left, and Randy Couture's on my right. So I'm looking at Randy Couture smack dead in the eyes. And I'm looking at Jay like, hey, listen, this ain't going down today. Whatever y'all planning, I'm not fighting Randy Couture today. And they said, no, 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 that's not it. He's going to show you how to pummel and grapple and use different motions and stuff like that. And right, and right there, then and there, man, I was hooked. 
I was hooked on the sport. I seen what it did for my football career. The next year I came out in 2006, I was able to use my hands. I got really, really good with my hands. And so I started to do it every single offseason. So fast forward, and I launched Light Tonic Street Fight in 2018. Uh, we're now on football sports, football TV. So if you guys don't have football out there, get it. Uh, we got a big fight coming up May, this, uh, May 6th, Saturday, May 6th uh, in L.A., you can get your tickets at lightsoutxf.com for anybody that's just checking us out in LA. It's gonna be one of our biggest cards. We're stacked up with talent. We got the we got let's like we got the next up and coming hungry stars of this sport, man. And me coming from where I come came from in NFL and being around like big athletes my whole life, I can look at some of them, you know, while they're even before the fight or or doing their training camps, and I can say, oh, you know what? He's gonna be a star one day, or she's gonna be a star because I've been around like big athletes my whole life. And some of these guys and some of these men and women, they just carry themselves a little different. Got a personality and they they take care of themselves. They train well. And so I look at it and I'm like, OK, yeah, that's that's they, they're going to be a star one day. So that that part of the business has always been like really fun for me because they, you know, some of these some of these guys are going to end up, you know, the UFC one day and become, you know, really big. And so now everybody wants to come through Lights Out Extreme fighting first. So it's big full space. You yeah, guys, are you guys just in LA? I know you're based out of that area, but do you, are, are you on the road yet? Are you traveling the country? Like when, when do you come East and, and stuff like that? Yeah, we're looking at uh June 24th in Prim, uh, San Diego, I think uh, late July, early August. But, you know, I've been talking to the M MGM out there in my hometown in, in Washington, DC, the Maryland area. Uh, and so we're kind of making our way back East Coast. Put it this way, man, there's so many fighters out here that's looking for fights and looking to get on and looking to showcase their talents. And that's just been really cool for us because we are on football, so people can watch us everywhere. So by the time it's it's time for us to go to, you know, a, a Maryland or go to a Virginia or go up there to a, where, wherever you guys are, they know about us. And it makes it a lot easier to pull some of the next up-and-coming talent in and for them to come and work out work with us. That's a great MGM in Washington, by the way. Drove by there about a month ago, and that I almost pulled straight off the highway. I was driving a, a college softball team to South Carolina, and I was almost like, "Screw this, we're going, man." Yeah, that's a nice area. I mean, uh, you guys, you guys are doing something great. I mean, we do a lot of UFC stuff on our on our podcast as well, so uh, definitely something we're gonna have to keep an eye out for. Yeah, no, yeah so we, we got we got to have you guys one of the fights, man. You know, we we put on a hell of a show. Uh, you know, I said we're the a best production and operations team to make everything really crisp and the broadcast and getting really creative. We got some really creative uh, cameras. This this gonna be seeing this this fight that's coming down and dropping the cage and do all kind of really cool stuff, man. So it's been fun. We love that. that that's oh. so cool. Yeah, no, that yeah, that, that's that's all we, like I said, we we would love to to show, but we have a <laughs> another co-host, uh, Dave, who's super, who's really into, uh, you know, in, into that MMA stuff. So he he definitely would be, and he's in LA. Yeah, yeah, he, actually, yeah, he's not that far from where I can you guys do, uh, the extreme fighting. So I think he he definitely will pop up at some point. Uh, so I think actually the news broke today about the UFC and uh WWE merging together. Like, is that something, like, if, if, so if Fubu did that, like, would you still? Uh, football, sorry if I'm saying it, saying it wrong, but if they if they merge together, like, is that something that you be interested in? I think Endeavor is doing it doing it right. Yeah, you got two really big entities that somehow, some way, can complement each other. Uh, you know, people don't know, understand how big WWE is and how global they are. They're in 52 countries. I think their YouTube is bigger than all the sports combined, or something crazy. You know, so 
It's a big platform there. Obviously, you got some of these uh, uh, MMA guys from UFC that could possibly transition one day. I think Conor McGregor will make a great WWE superstar. If he ever wanted to do it, I think he's too damn, you know, <laughs> he would be great on Mike. I think on the flip side of everything, man, it's uh, it was a really good move. And that's what happens when you got two, you know, big power entities who can make that happen. Yeah, so, you know, we, we talked about already kind of, you know, how you made uh, that transition from playing football to what we're doing now with the M uh, MMA and uh, with real estate. So just what what advice would you give any pro athlete that, uh, to, you know, once they transition out of whatever professional sport that they're in, just what advice would you give them on uh, setting, them, setting themselves up for uh, success after their playing days? You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, this the the filling the void when you're done playing a game of right. football and the, why you feel that way. So you have to find something that you're equally as passionate about, right? And I think that that's what most guys struggle. Like, if you're just as passionate about your next career and what you're planning on doing, you're going to be successful because you know what it takes already, your discipline, right? You got to think from the age of 10, we're told where to go, what time to be there, how many times to do it, where to show. Like, so everything is structured. So that part of your life, you're already set. You just have to figure out what you want to do because uh, being a pro athlete, man, it, you got to put in some real time, some real obstacles and adversity, injuries, learning playbooks. You might have to go into a different locker room and learn that system. I mean, this if there's a lot. And so if you took that same mentality that it took you being you know, a professional and excelled on the field, you're going to be successful in life, but you have to figure out what that what that next step is, that next passion, whatever got you up in the morning and roll out of bed. Like if you got that, you're going to be you're going to be just fine. So I, I got two questions for you. One's tongue in cheek and one's uh, kind of football related. Uh, the tongue in cheek question is, did you ever try to get Rivers to name one of his 12 kids after you? No, <laughs> no. Because I think All at right. that time he had like seven or eight or something like that. No, so instead of so casually, seven yeah, or eight. <laughs> look, I, I figured at that point you got to be done, right? So there's no convention. But little did I know, you know, pop out a couple more. I mean, so he was just on a roll with that. I think that he was trying to have a whole offense or defense and then have to go out and recruit or, or bring anybody in-house. I think that's what his goal was, to have an 11-11 tournament uh, against a family and a team. Because that's, that's where he's at with it right now. Yeah, he's coaching high school football right now, so I'm sure that's what, exactly what he was trying to do. Uh, and then the the other question back back to your playing days, like uh, you know, we 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 loved watching you play. And what what's a story you can give us from your time playing that uh, we you know it it doesn't have to be uh, PG, it can be PG thirteen rated R. Like, what's a good story you got for us from your playing days? Listen, I got PG stories, PG thirteen <laughs> and rated R ones. You name it, I got them all. Yeah, give us give us a really good one. Give, give uh, us, the show is not for families, so yeah, it's not for. Families, oh, okay, no. I don't let oh. my two kids, and I got enough, so I don't let them watch. <laughs> uh, look, when you when you play in the locker room and and you got a lot of money and testosterone, guys do a lot of a lot of stuff, man. And you know, one thing you do miss about being around the guys is everybody's so damn different. Right. So you might have somebody like from Jersey or the city part of the country. And you got another dude that's from Iowa or Texas, total country guy. Right. And then somehow, some way in hell that they're friends. And you like, it's the most oddest shit ever because this guy is, is city. This guy's country. This guy, you know, whatever. So I think for me, it was like always going out for the guys. I would try to get LT. We know I never got Philip out. Um, I, I think I got LT out once or twice during during the season when we got him out to a club and stuff like that. But you know, when guys are 
we were young, man. We were like lions, you know. And I, at the time when I was drafted, I was 20 years old. And so I actually bought into my first nightclub called Stingery in San Diego before I was 21. And so when I went in it, I had to put I, I had to put uh, vodka in a water bottle so nobody knew I was like drinking. I just turned 21. Actually, I just turned 21 when I went. But when I bought into it, I was still 20. And so when I when I got in there, I, I remember the first time I went in there, right before I turned 21, uh, it was like on May 23rd, it was Memorial Day weekend. My birthday was on the 25th and everybody just wanted to be cautious. So I put vodka in my in my water bottle and drinking out there the whole night. But yeah, it was Stingery was like the landmark of, of San Diego when it came to nightclubs. And uh, it was probably one of the one of the funnest times of my life. So. I was you know. going to say you you uh, you got to grow up in a in a great city. San Diego is my favorite city in the country. Right over the border is Tijuana. I'm sure you got some stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tijuana is a great place. You know, great place to go and you know fill the need of voids of life. You know, no, no donkey shows for Sean. No, Aaron no donkey right? show. Oh, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe one or two. Maybe I stopped by and purchased a few. You know, I grabbed a couple pesos, threw a couple pesos at it. Yeah, it's um, something you got to experience, right? But I, but I, I have, I have seen a donkey show in person. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, man. So like I said, we, you know, you know we were running on, on time. So just tell tell the listeners where uh, they could find you on social media, and then just uh, you know, just tell them about the fight one more time. Yeah, we got a huge fight May sixth uh, in Burbank, California. Saturday, May sixth. Uh, those of you want to get there, if you're in LA, if you're hearing this or seeing this, and you're in LA, get your tickets at LightsOutXF.com. And if you can't be there, get football. Football's been a great partner, you know, one, because it's seen not only in this in the U.S., but Canada, France, and some parts of Spain, all, you can see our shows. Uh, but also, too, the climbing that top 10 most watched on football sports. It just, because I, I listen to the people, man, like the fans and people around, they'll tell you if they like the product or not. And we throw some great fights, man. We got the next young, up-and-coming, hungry superstars of this sport, and I'm glad they come over the lights out first before they go anywhere else. Yeah, when, awesome. yeah, and and uh, anything else you got in the in the works, and where where else can we find you? Yeah, that that's pretty much it, man. Like I can tell you, this fight business it's 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 a it's a different ball game now. Like you got to be cut for it. Uh, you know, you some day some weeks some fights you might walk in with twelve to fourteen fights and actually have seven or eight. You're like, okay, how the hell did four or five fights drop? And then you're scrambling to get them there. And you got ticket sales, and you got you know, obviously make sure I'm showing uh, it looks good on football and the production and operations. It's it's a lot, man. But you know, I, got, I got a staff of 67 people. And for me, it's it's been fun because I'm watching the brand grow. You know, I can't even go to a gym now because I still go work out. These, I train up Extreme Couture a couple of days a week. I go down to San Diego and train at some of these gyms or in L.A., you know, at Black House and Body Shop in you know, Long Beach. So I train at these gyms and I can't go anywhere now without fighters asking to jump on a card. So that tells me a lot, you know, what, what people look at when people look at our shows. Yeah, that's also awesome. I hope that it continues to, to grow to what it uh, more to what more to what you could have imagined. Uh, and it just uh, just tell us your social media handles and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Yeah, my personally is uh, at Sean Merriman. That's on Twitter and Instagram and uh, lights out XF on Twitter and Instagram as well. So give us a follow there. Uh, I'm posting every day. Like you, you, you won't know a person to actually like run a company on social media as much as I do. Dude. I'm like, I'm locked and loaded. I, I want to say I tweet every day for the, for you know six, seven eight years. Ten, I mean, I, I tweet just about every day. And when I'm not on it, that's because the plane don't have Wi-Fi. That's about it. So <laughs> we love that because you don't see a lot of business owners and and people in your position that handle their own social media. So that that's refreshing and pretty cool to see. Yeah, for for sure. So uh, so so yeah, we we thank we thank you for your time, and we hope that we're able to do this again uh, when we have another. 
uh, you know, promotion and speak about or any of the stories that we want to rap, uh, you know, rap about. So, uh, so for Sean Merriman, Joe Malcolm, I'm Ray Sean Buchanan. Uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.